we're giving operators small or large, regardless of whether they're operating five units or you know hundreds of units, the ability to compete with both from a technology perspective and an operational perspective with larger brands, you know, household hospitality brands. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Jason Lopez. He's the Director of Sales at Journey, a hospitality tech company offering SaaS-based management solutions designed to accommodate the evolving needs and expectations of the modern traveler. What that means is they provide both tech solutions and staffing solutions covering operations, accounting, and revenue management that allow you to focus on growing and refining your accommodations business. Discussions about outsourcing entire departments like valet or housekeeping have been happening for years, but until recently, there wasn't a strong case to be made for moving your front of house staff offsite. But with the changing dynamics in the market, those old objections may now be standing in the way of success. On this episode, I had several instances where you could hear me in real time considering the options and objections for making your front desk and concierge team remote. But other than the, this is the way we've always done it thinking, I had a hard time finding an insurmountable reasons why not to at least consider remote work for traditionally on-site positions at a hotel. And that's exactly why I wanted to have Jason on the show, to explain the how and why and provide more context than simply hearing the discussion in your boardroom. Whether you outsource to a third party or develop an in-house solution, this space is undoubtedly going to get more attention. My hope is that you find this conversation at the very least thought-provoking and even gives you some clarity around a traditionally off-limits discussion. So let's get to it. This is episode 90 of the Proven Principles podcast, Jason Lopez on Can Hotel Operations Be Managed Remotely? Enjoy. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Tell me a little bit about Journey. This is a fascinating uh, company and business model, but I, I am not going to explain it nearly as well as you are. So, you know, give us the rundown. What's up? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Explain Journey. Um, all right, where, where to begin? <laughs> um, uh, so first of all, we started out as a hospitality company um, ourselves, as hospitality operators, I think about five years ago now. Um, the intention was always to become a technology company, but our founders knew that we first needed to really understand the inner workings of the hospitality industry um, before we could really seek to solve some of the, you know, the glaring issues that we see um, in regards to technology and the operational side of things. So, um, I guess in ten words or less, I would say Journey is the only truly all-in-one system for hospitality. I think that was 10 words. Yeah, all with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've probably heard that before, yeah. Adam, probably many times. Yeah, that sounds familiar. How often has it turned out to actually be I true? I think it depends on like what side of the business you're talking about. Um, and it's interesting, and maybe we could talk about that a little bit, but I, I do think that it's interesting that you know, your inception and wanting to solve a problem that you thought was there, you needed to get some, it's not really social, but maybe a little bit of social proof, but you had to know if this was actually something that people needed by experiencing yourself. And that's a very interesting way to come about it. Cause a lot of people in this business, they don't do that. They just say, Hey, look at this shiny thing. It's going to make all your problems go away. 
often that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what we kind of realized as to your point, as you know, throughout our journey, pun intended, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is that there's an extremely fractured ecosystem, you know, of technology with hundreds of different vendors. And that's not an exaggeration to say that. No. Um, so, you know, most of the time, all these vendors integrate with each other, but it's up to the operator to evaluate them all, integrate them, learn the different systems, train their staff, and then finally they can, you know, use the system. So when you talk about an all-in-one system for the hospitality industry, what do you mean? Good question. So it's um, talking about, it's a twofold answer. It's not just technology from a software and hardware perspective, but it's also on the operational side of things. So kind of talking about, you know, when you're piecemealing all these systems, like I was just talking about, it's not uncommon nowadays to see hospitality companies with a CTO, which always kind of blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> uh, don't, don't get me wrong. If it's, you know, Marriott, then that's different. But for the most part, operators with a few listings or even operators with, you know, hundreds of listings, having an on-staff technology executive is like, that's a huge expense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, to your point, and I've seen this, it's... It's needed in the sense that, I mean, for a lot of reasons, I, I suppose the fractured nature of technology and hospitality is is what it is. You've got a million providers doing every little thing. I, I've always said I'm blown away by how a new company can enter into the market and find a way to insert themselves between you and your guests. They're always finding a little bit of oxygen left in the ecosystem. Um, but all of these systems, they have to work together. There's, they are unreliable. Uh, and in a lot of cases, if one of them goes down, there could be a cascading effect where others go down and then the whole operation tends to fall apart. So on top of it being fragmented, it's very fragile. And that that combination is very scary. Yes. Yes, it is. So on your side then, you've got the technology piece. So can we maybe just dive into that a little bit here? So you've got a... When you think about technology, you do the big three, property management, revenue management, channel management, uh, and then all of the support functions within that. So how you communicate with staff and all that. What within that umbrella of services did you guys find needed fixing? And what have you built out as a result of that? That's a great question. The first thing that we found, the first thing we actually built out was an access system. Because... There was nothing on the market that was, I guess, robust enough, I'll say, to check all of our boxes. So we wanted something that was automate, automated, fully automated. Um, each, each reservation gets its own automated code. It's only good within you know, check-in and check-out. But we also wanted those locks to be active with the code before the guest arrived so that if there was a Wi-Fi issue, the guest was not impacted. Um, and so there were a lot of reasons, but ultimately we developed our, we tried, you know, all the systems out there and ultimately we developed our own access system with direct integrations to all the locks. Everything kind of started cascading from there. Um, but one of the things that we realized and that was a, a huge nightmare was having to log into different, you know, revenue management, for example, your PMS, um, you know, your property operations tool. So having everything within one dashboard is just a, a huge game, cha game changer, time saver, um, Oh, you know, from an operations perspective, yeah, without a doubt, 
even just just saving that time between you know what system should I be looking at right now? Which one's broken? I mean, having everything in one place. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. What's my login again? Yeah, yeah. What's my login again? Okay. <laughs> so, um, did you go into, or did the founders go into building the company? What was the? I guess let me let me back up a little bit here. What was the thesis going in? This is maybe something that we can dive into a little bit here. Did you, was that that what was the thesis that needed to be solved or proven that then made you guys say, "Oh yeah, we've got something here." Hmm. I, I guess I should have asked my founder this question. <laughs> um, well, as you as you kind of know it today, as things have with yes, you know, evolved and so, where you're at. Um, I would say it's it's um, the intersection of technology and operations and hospitality mm-hmm. and um having it work in unison and synergy together um because a lot of times aside from the fracture that we see on the technology side that we talked about um tech and ops are so intertwined in hospitality you could have the best tech stack on the planet but if your team doesn't use it effectively what's the point um and so that's the difference with journey we don't just give you a system kind of send you off and tell you to break a leg. <laughs> um, you know, we give you the professional daily ops team to manage that system as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we've set out to do is provide that tech forward approach in hospitality. And that's the other side of this that's really interesting is the the team side, the integration of the support functions into the company here. So you're not just providing a better Wi-Fi door Platform. code program right. email system. That's there. There are, there's a lot of them out there. It's Tons. the it's the staffing piece. And when you think about staffing in hospitality, and you know this is, we'll get into this. But I want I do want to talk about the intersection between short term rentals and hotels because that's very relevant in this discussion here for all the hotel people that are wondering if they should turn this off. <laughs> We're gonna get there. <laughs> uh, when you're thinking about staffing, you know, in this space, obviously you could bring on your own W2 people, people you see face to face. They may or may not be in the city, state, or country that you work in. Uh, there, you know, there's full on outsourcing and contract work to other people. Again, maybe in the city, state, country that you're working in, they may not be. The fractured yep. nature of the short term rental industry means. In a lot of cases, and what I mean fractured, I mean dispersed, like just sort of people everywhere and everybody's like, we manage properties all over and we're all over at the same time. So we don't have an office. Mm -hmm. I think that's the case for a lot of people. And how you do that and get your support team and your processes and your functions up and running so that you can be effective as an organization is a little bit harder, requires a little bit more thinking through how you're going to do that than it would if you were all in one place. So... That being said, the solution that Journey brings to the table with staffing, what does that look like? So and we could we could talk about recreation because full disclosure, like we like you we partnered with you. You're helping us with our back end uh staffing. So we should be upfront about that right away. I, I wasn't gonna out you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I one of the reasons I want to do this episode is because I I think that there's such a solve here for a lot of the problems that the hotels are going through right now. And we're gonna we are definitely gonna get to that. But, you know, I could talk about the, what I viewed as the value proposition all day, but what is it that from a staffing and an operations support perspective, what are you guys bringing forward here 
And how does it look when somebody calls you up and says, you know, hey, I want to I want to go with you guys and I have a gap in my operation and it's not just software. Can you help me? So it's funny you ask that question in that way, because we have a a client now. um, I'll just give you his first name, Alex. He um, called me back in like November and he was like, Jason, I have. I think he had 18 properties, uh, short-term rental, not not hotel, um, short-term rental company that he was managing, and he was struggling um, with his daily operations because he was kind of at that point where he needed some help. You know, he's managing almost 20 properties. Uh, it's a lot of guest communication. It's, it's a lot, you know, revenue management. So he hired a VA, and it was not working out. He he hit. He was on his second or third VA, and he was like, Jason, I I, I, I want to fire her, but if I do, then I have to pick up the calls at 2, 3 a.m. when they come mm-hmm. in. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, he, he came on board with us. Um, he's got 69 properties now in the pipeline. I'll say listings. Cause some of them are, are like boutique hotels. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, you know, homes. And so it just allowed him to free up his time to focus on the hospitality aspect and growing the business. And so bringing in those teams, it's, um, <sighs> Gosh, it's work. Yeah. <laughs> There's there are staffing shortages right now. Mm-hmm. Um, finding good people is not easy, but if you do find them, you have to hire them, train. You have to recruit them, hire them, train them, retain them. So it's an ongoing expense, and um, you know it's a huge challenge as opposed to having a professional team that's already trained, ready to go, that has been there, that has done that for uh, you know many many years mm-hmm. in the space. Finding, attracting, retaining talent. We all know that that's a big challenge in the space right now, whether it's short-term rentals or hotels. I'm just going to say hospitality and restaurants. Everybody in this industry is dealing with it. And there's definitely value from from an operator's perspective in taking all of the headaches that trying to find and retain people bring in this environment and putting it on somebody else's shoulders and say, I no longer have to deal with this. I now pay you guys to deal with this. But that doesn't mean that the issue is solved. It just means you're passing off the problem to somebody else. You guys are still operating in that environment. So when you're looking to find support staff, and maybe we should define what support staff means right now. You're talking uh, phone people Mm -hmm. to communicate with guests, to be that, to basically be your front desk or your concierge in a hotel, if we could draw a, a, a line to, you know, a relevant position. Uh, how do you go about finding those people? Like, where do you go? Where do you look? And you don't have to give away any secret sauce. <laughs> you know, if you guys have, it's like giving away, like, I'm not a fisher, fishing person, fisherman, but like, you know, I know, or like a mushroom forager, but like they have their spot, right? They don't ever tell anybody where their spot yeah. is. So I don't want you to, to go down there, but like, how do you solve for this right now? Because this is, this is still a problem and it doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So luckily we had an existing, like a really great existing team that has been with us for a long time. Um, finding new people for that team. Um, we, we don't limit ourselves to like just us. That doesn't mean that everybody is a VA within the company, but, um, we have people in Spain, for example, some of our tech team is in Italy. So, you know, 
we find talent wherever we can, as long as there's a solid internet connection. Um, aside from that, um, we look for uh, we look for mostly hospitality professionals. So if they're going to be doing guest communications, we look for people that have been doing guest guest communications, even if it's for you know a boutique hotel overseas or something. That's fine. Um, but some kind of experience in the field. They're all trained for at least three months before they're put in a, in a customer-facing uh, role as well. So they have a you know pretty significant training and ramp-up period with us internally before they're ever uh, put in that environment. Yeah. So you've got the IT piece covered, and you've got you know tech folks on on the team that can help troubleshoot and deal with issues as they arise, and you provide a lot of the technology for the houses. So you got that piece is covered. The CTO IT department. You've got the front desk piece covered. I mean, use that as a catch-all phrase, or the concierge department covered. Um, are there any other functions under the journey umbrella that you guys take care of for operators? Gosh, yes. There's just, there are uh, many. So we also do revenue management. Um, we do accounting. We do um, check-ins and check-outs. Um, yeah. yeah. We, we it, property operations, cleaning and maintenance management. So it's really everything. So you could honestly open a hotel and, and that this is maybe this is where that switch starts to come in the, in the conversation. You could open in theory, a hotel and brand it, whatever you want, Jason's hotel. And you could quite literally outsource 90% of the operation of that hotel to journey. That's correct. Yeah. You pretty much need to take care of housekeeping and maintenance, but we can, yeah, the team on the ground, the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Can't do those exactly. wrongly. Yeah. And that's, that. that's where this conversation gets really interesting for me because I've had discussions for years about outsourcing, uh, entire departments, usually housekeeping. And actually in one case, it was banquets, uh, in a hotel as well, but housekeeping is the big one, uh, where a third party would just, uh, actually, and usually your valet department lately has been outsourced. And that's usually a third party. If you want to kind of draw a parallel. So somebody comes in and you turn over all of the recruiting retention, daily operations to a third party, they operate under your roof. Everybody's still there. They're just not technically your employees anymore. They're somebody else's employees. Um, but the idea of outsourcing guest-facing positions, like a front desk, like a concierge, not so much accounting. That's not guest-facing in, in most instances. Revenue management's not guest-facing. But that person that a guest would walk up to and ask a question or check in or whatever has never come up up until the last... Uh, I don't even know if it's in the mainstream discussion right now. It just seems like such a taboo discussion to have those guest-facing positions remote. So unless you're starting to talk about the intersection between short-term rentals and hotels, these hybrid hotels, there's a few operators out there that are doing it with like, you know, an iPad robot, like on a tripod that sort of goes around a lobby. Yep. Do you guys so many directions I want to take this, but do you guys operate in the hotel space right now? Or is that an area that you've had some discussions about 
maybe getting into? Do you see some daylight in there, I guess, is the question. No, we, we definitely do. We actually, um, we started out in the hotel space, mostly boutique hotels, uh, limited service, uh, uh, self-managed hotels, um, that kind of thing, and then transitioned into short-term rental, vacation rental. So yeah, we, we absolutely see, uh, you know, room to work there in, in the, on the hotel side. Some of the interesting things that we've seen, kind of to your point, Adam, with you know no staff in the lobby and the, and the iPads, is well, first and foremost, companies using iPads uh, for you know people to check in or just uh, walk-ins to book instantly. But we've also seen surprisingly some companies eliminate the front desk completely, um, but keep you know maybe a housekeeping manager on site to deal with emergencies and questions. Some properties, if they're open to operating more like a short-term rental, um, like an Airbnb kind of kind of property, can get away with having no personnel on site, aside from you know maybe housekeeping during their scheduled cleans. Now, you may still need to have an on-call maintenance person, probably in, in instances where like you know the router needs to be reset or the fire alarm goes off or you know whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely think there's a lot of room to work there. That's interesting. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my brain on both sides of this discussion here, because I can hear all of the arguments why outsourcing your front desk and concierge to remote positions or, and I mean, quite frankly, it doesn't even, this isn't intended to be a promotional episode for journey. You could, you, you could also do the same thing with your own staff and just allow them to work from home. And you could give them a computer or they could use their own and you could have a solid internet connection and, you could just sort of act, do that. Um, as I as I think through all of the functions that a front desk person at a hotel would typically do, most of those things are can or should be web based at this point, or you should have web access to an app that you could then do it. So you could do most of those things from home, really. Unless you've given so many different functions to your front desk person where they're cleaning the lobby because you don't have a lobby cleaner or they're serving coffee at a coffee bar in the lobby because you don't have a barista. Like if the, if the job is just expanded so much that it's now encompassing two, three, four, five people, other than getting over the hump of, or the, the thinking that that person, you need to have a person there to physically answer questions in person or to welcome guests as they arrive or as they depart, to give them a fun farewell, as we say. Other than that, I can't see any reason other than this is the way that we've always done it, thinking why, right. why you couldn't do something like this. So <laughs> as I'm thinking about this in real time, so I apologize if we're starting to lag a little bit here in the discussion, but I, I really <laughs> am. I'm trying to think of all the reasons why it wouldn't work and I can't really think of any so maybe could you enlighten us? What what are some of the objections that you guys have run up against when you're talking in the hotel space about taking these traditional on-site roles and moving them off? Yeah, the biggest objections typically are just people trying to wrap their head around it. Like, wait, you want me to get rid of my front desk? Um, believe it or not, we're starting to see hotels coming to us seeking to actively get rid of their front desk. Yep which is really interesting. Um, 
you know, that doesn't necessarily, by the way, getting rid of your front desk doesn't necessarily mean that there will be no one in the lobby. Like we have one hotel that has a valet and a, and a full service kitchen downstairs. And it's situated in a way where their hosts, you know, are right next to the elevator. So there's someone always in the lobby. Um, but yeah, we're, we're starting to see a transition definitely. Uh, I think a lot of people have realized, I think automation has, has allowed it to happen. Um, but I also think from a guest perspective, like when have you ever walked into your hotel to check in and been happy that you were standing in line yeah. at the front desk to get your key? Right. Never. Right. You just want, you're tired after a long day of traveling probably with your family and your kids crying and you want to get to your room. That's a really good point. And I think over the last several years, pre-pandemic included, because we we had a hard time in our hotels finding staff when times were good. Uh, it was It's always been a tough environment. And in a lot of cases, you've only got one person working and they're overwhelmed and a little exacerbated. And if if things aren't going well that day, then that can turn into a negative experience for your guest anyway. So at that stage, what's what what is the benefit of having that person in the lobby if that's creating a negative experience, not a positive experience? Right. And I wonder now between that, that situation has not been resolved. And it if customers over the last two years have been trained to be more accepting or even demanding of, of less contact or used to having less contact, uh, if that is creating an environment where something like this is going to be more accepted in the wider marketplace. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I think post pandemic, uh, well, because of the pandemic, uh, kind of we've seen the adoption of some I mean to your point some some things that we probably never would have seen otherwise like companies eliminate you know management companies eliminating their front desk um and it's interesting actually to see that for a time it I, w- I wouldn't even say like it was an adoption thing it was just like a standard if you were going to travel with your family during the you know pandemic you you needed a place that had a keyless entry and right. no, you know, no contact with anyone. It was, it was the standard. So um, it's, it's definitely interesting to see things heading that way. Um, I think we'll see more of it, especially on the front desk side of things. I think companies will be, uh, so kind of to your point, you asked about um, some of the, some of, you know, the, the friction that we see sometimes with, with this, uh, this model companies a lot of times want to retain their brand and they're very protective of how their brand communicates. And so that's one area where we see sometimes reluctance around the adoption of uh, outsourcing your front desk. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. And I was just actually thinking about the style of hotel where something like this might be, might, might work. And if there's a segment within the industry where there's, this is just a no-go. Even though I will point out that for several years now, there's been a big push to get keyless entry going in a lot of different hotel companies, and some of the big boys have been doing that as well. So that, in effect, has started to, you could define it however you want, training your customers not to go to the front desk, providing a service that your customers are telling you that they don't want to go to the front desk. So you're you're meeting them in a different different headspace. But we've been going in this direction even if it's been slowly for a long time, I just think this is starting to pick up steam. But that said, yeah. 
does this work from your perspective in a certain style of hotel over another? So I think for smaller hotels, you know, like the boutique hotels, the self-managed hotels, this works really well. Um, I still think we will see this on the front desk side, especially become more the standard and the norm, even across the larger brands that maybe they wouldn't outsource necessarily these types of services, but just do it in-house. Kind of like you said, we're just going to have our team do it in-house from home. Um, but I definitely think that on the front desk side, we will see this transition uh, eventually across the board. Regardless of segment. So limited service, select service, yeah. you know, mid-scale, luxury. Yeah. You think that this is this is a trend. And while nobody really wants to be tip of the spear with this, mm -hmm. the dynamics in the market might push everybody there whether they want to do it or not. Yeah. You'll have your, you know, your kitschy hotels that want to keep their their traditional keys and that's you know that's charming for those but for the most part um yeah i think i think this is the way this is the direction that that the industry will go yeah have you had any discussions with luxury level hotels about got anything that may come up you know why do this you know we're we're scared to lose brand standards uh you know when you start talking in the luxury segment you've got there's a whole other class of owners You've got mm -hmm. standards, audits, and compliance. You start throwing in ratings, whether it's Forbes or AAA. Uh, yeah. It just mushrooms pretty quickly here. So, you know, is the luxury environment something that you guys see is going to work for you, or, or like, what's the state of affairs there? Yeah, so I think in the sh in like the short term, in the f near future, we'll be focused on kind of what we've been talking about here: the more boutique, self-managed, um, independent hotels, that kind of thing. Short-term rentals, vacation rentals. Um, I think in the long term, probably the luxury, the more luxury brands will will kind of like what we talked about earlier. We'll look to do this kind of thing, but most likely in-house. Um, it's not to say that they couldn't work with, uh, you know, a company like Journey because we can, you know, white label everything. But um, just judging by the trends that I've seen in the past with luxury brands, uh, there's typically reluctance, and they like to do things in house. So yeah, 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 that's true, and that allows them to retain a little bit more control. And yeah. I guess the point is just to wrap up the discussion that if that's if this is going to be the trend in the industry which is driven by factors that nobody can seem to get resolved right now that aren't, they're not going away. So we have to change the model, how we do things. Uh, whether you outsource it to a company like journey, they, to your point, white labels, everything. And so the guest never sees it from the guest perspective. They're just interacting with staff of your own, your own hotel, your own brand. Or yep. if you're at a luxury level property and you want to retain as much control as possible through this, and you decide to do it all in-house, Either way, if you're running a hotel today, you've got to be thinking about this. It's got to be in the back yeah. of your mind. And there are solutions out there, whether, again, you do that in-house or you find a company like Journey to do it for you, that could, I guess, like the, the value proposition is pretty strong. And maybe we'll just wrap up on that. Like when you talk about Journey's value prop for, for companies, keeping in mind 
you know, the short-term rental space is it's an obvious value proposition. I think the hotel piece is a little muddier. So how would you explain yep. that to an operator who's listening to this right now going like, hmm, I had not thought about this, but this may be the solution to my problems, but I have a million questions and I'm scared to do it. What's the, <laughs> what's the, what's the value proposition here? Why should they, you know, reach out to you to at least have a discussion? Yeah. Um, I'd say in the simplest words, we're giving operators uh, small or large, regardless of whether they're operating five units or you know hundreds of units, the ability to compete with both from a technology perspective and an operational perspective with larger brands, uh, you know household household hospitality brands, which has traditionally been uh, a challenge for them without. Ha- you know, kind of all, everything we've been talking about without having maybe their own in-house CTO developing some of their own tools or without piecemealing a, a you know, super complex system and training all of their staff on it. Um, they can they can kind of hit the fast forward button and skip all that and pick up where hospitality begins. That's very well said. Uh, Jason, if anybody wants to learn more about you, get in touch with you, learn more about Journey, where should they go? Uh, they can visit us at journey.com it's j-u-r-n-y.com and there is a partner form on there that they can fill out and we will uh, contact them and reach out to them sounds good well jason i appreciate you coming on today and showing us a map to the future of this industry (laughs) (laughs) show us a map yeah showing us a map you know how how this Uh, showing us a map showing us a map here you know figuratively about how this this all could play out because i think this space There's uh, the, we, we got a long way to go, even though we're sort of coming yes. out of this pandemic, this industry uh, has, I don't think we really know how things are going to shake out yet, but this is definitely going to be a part of the discussion going forward. Yeah, it's an exciting time and it's uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I really I appreciate you bringing me on, Adam. It's been great. I enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, you got and, it. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Hopefully we can do it again soon. We will. Absolutely. This was my episode with Jason Lopez. You can learn more about him and Journey at journey.com. That's J-U-R-N-Y.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at the Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.